Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors Incorporated became an employee-owned company in 2002, and in 2010, employees became the majority owners of the company. Despite worldwide distribution, Golden Product is still created on the grounds of the original barn in New Berlin, using the highest standards for consistency and quality. Golden constantly strives to outdo itself by operating on three principles, make the best products, provide customers with the best service, and find people who can make the first two happen. Golden makes the best art materials available from Williamsburg Oil Colors, Core Water Colors, and their vast line of acrylics. You can find them at your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Located in Seattle, Fulcrum Coffee Roasters seek to craft the perfect coffee. They have been roasting coffee for over 20 years. You can order their amazing coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com, enter code ALFREDSTUDIO upon checkout, and receive 20% off your order. Starring in the scene, playing the lead in the movie of me, doing everything we agreed, but still I can't speak. Could be on a magazine. Max Pope, the young soulful singer born in Crystal Palace in the UK and raised in Brighton, creates music that stops you in your tracks. His songs, filled with colorful characters from his life and imagination, have always captured his unique perspective on the world and demonstrate a gift for storytelling that goes far beyond his years. A musical contemporary of Flo Morrissey and Loyal Carner, Max studied at the Brit School and has also spent time working as a gardener, work he cherishes for helping him feel connected to the world. Max's distinctive sound is steeped in influences old and new. From the soul records his mother loved and the grittier punk and blues music his dad would play as a child to recent psychedelic sounds of Nick Hakim and Unknown Mortal Orchestra, as well as being infused with the South London jazz scene that surrounds him. Recent releases include Didn't I, a cover of a Durando song, Up in 2019, In Limbo, his EP from 2020, Not the End of the World from 2020, and Automatic from 2021, which you're listening to now. I caught up with Max from his place in London for a talk about growing up with music in his life, thinking about music and visuals, football, the stories that guitars tell, and much more. Here's our conversation. you grow up in Brighton is this right yeah I grew up in I was born actually in in South London in Crystal Palace and then we moved to Brighton um when I was about five and I grew up there and then and then I actually moved back to Crystal Palace when I was about 17 um and then I've been in London ever since I guess the the only question that matters is if you're Brighton Hove supporter or a Crystal Palace supporter, <laughs> or do you not watch football? Uh, you know, I'm, I appreciate the the knowledge there. I, I mean, I'm not a mad football fan, so I, I think I get away with it uh, with with being 
on the fence. But I do sort of probably go to more Crystal Palace games, you know. Yeah. I, I reckon I'm a Palace supporter. That works. <sighs> yeah, I'm allowed just about because I was born there, so. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's in the blood, right? Yeah, it's in the blood. You can't fake it. I mean, you know, I'm in American football. I grew up in Pittsburgh, so right, even though okay. I don't really watch a lot of American football, Pittsburgh Steeler blood is in. It's like you can't help but be a fan in a way. Yeah, fair enough. American football like is a huge ingrained. deal. Yeah, it's ingrained. Even if you're not, do you follow the sport much? Uh, American football or football? Uh, American football. Um, not that much. I mean, hmm. you know. If it's on, but I live in New York City, so it's hard for me to see those games mm-hmm. of like you know the team I grew up with. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. basically watch what you know soccer. That's like okay. my thing. So okay, I'm watching all the time. That's like the only thing I really watch. That and Korean television. That and Korean television. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. I like that. That's a good combo. Football and. And um, Korean, how come, what kind of Korean television is there out there? Just like variety shows and stuff. My son's really into it, so. Okay. And we we got rid of cable TV, which was a great thing. And now we just have a couple apps that we watch things with. And I was never a huge TV guy, but it's it's kind of like, it's made it much more streamlined. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Ah, that's Were you a TV fan? I mean, did you watch a lot of TV growing up? Not, not really. I kind of, ha- I think when I was growing up, my parents were were pretty. Um, yeah, I was never really glued to TV or like video games. I kind of always wanted to be a lot more, but they were pretty fairly restrictive on that front. I think so. Yeah, I really. I think when most of my friends were were, were playing like Halo or Call of Duty as a as on on Xbox, I was kind of probably doing art and stuff and like making things out of paper mache and, and stuff like that my mum's an artist so she was really uh big on that side of things that's cool what did she do sculpture stuff yeah she does she does yeah she does a lot of sculpture and i think also she just i mean i wasn't really i'm not i definitely wouldn't say that i'm an artist in that way like i i, I think um and I had a, when I was growing up, my stepbrother was really good at art. So he, he would smash it. We'd sit there and I would be drawing some ridiculously small detailed drawing and stressing out because it didn't look the way I wanted it to look. <laughs> and he'd be, he'd be sort of chucking paint onto a, you know, huge canvas and making loads of uh, mess. But so, but that said, I think she was always just encouraging it to be creative when I was young. So. Yeah, that's good. So you had that, good. and then you had music in the house. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I, weirdly, I reckon there was probably more art in the house because of who she was. My parents are separated, so I grew up in in my mum's house. My dad played a lot of guitar and yeah. and music, and he'd always give me. Um, yeah, there was a lot of music in my mum's house too, though. She's like, but in my head, she's like a soul. She's like a musical person <laughs> rather than necessarily... She wasn't always sticking records on and stuff, but she was very soulful, my mum, and she was always into soul music, and so there was a lot of that. And my grandmother, who I also grew up with, she 
she plays piano all the time and she's like quite classically into her classical stuff. But my dad was, um, he was the main one really. He'd go, he had like subscriptions to record stores. They'd give him records every month and he'd give me the records once he'd listened to them. So yeah. He broke them in. (laughs) Yeah. He broke them in and he'd turn up and he'd be like, hey, look, here's the Cribs. Like, listen to the Cribs. You should like them. And I was like 10. So I was like, what the hell is this music? It was a bit of a game changer. Yeah. That's, yeah. it's funny because a lot of times the older brother or older sister will introduce the younger, mm. you know, but parents have that effect. This is like a slightly different thing, right? Like a different, you know, sort of era of what they're usually like exposing you to. Like my dad was in the military, so he got really into Motown. Sweet. So growing up, we always had music on, you know, yeah, it was, yeah. you know, from Marvin Gaye to, you know, Temptations, like it was that mm. all the time, you know. Mm. So there was never, and, you know, being an artist, like there was never really art in our household. But I mm. think the creativity and the enthusiasm that he had for the music, because he loved it so much, mm. it almost like teaches you to just enjoy creativity on a deeper level. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. I understand that. That was, and yeah. It just, yeah, just it just gets beaten into your head because every single day you're listening to records, you know. Yeah, or there's something going on in the background that's just creative. You're, yeah, you're right. That's cool. Military. I didn't know there was a link between. Is there a link between him being in the military and then Motown? Well, a lot of his the people that were in his, I don't know what you call them, the group that he was in were yeah. African American, so they they listened to a lot of soul music and Motown. Uh, and it was that era. So yeah, yeah. Sick. You know, okay. it was just what he was around. So he mm. came back and he was into that. I mean, he got into, you know, he was into all the, uh, classic rock stuff too. Mm-hmm. It was diverse, you know, and then we had that Beatles record where they're looking over the balcony. I remember that one was, Oh big. yeah. That's a good one. What's yeah. that one called? That's not help. Is it? Or let it I be. Think it was a, I, I think the version that my dad had on vinyl was a compilation of early stuff. Okay. But it might have also been an image of another record, but it was, you know, yeah, yeah. that's classic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of Beatles as well when I was when I was growing up. That was something that my, I think my whole family were always playing. Um, I don't my, think it was an option, was it? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's just <laughs> it's there. Just, it's just there. You can't really not take part in that. I used to, um, my dad used to tell me I was named after Maxwell Silverhammer. Uh, oh, nice. Which I still, but then my mum would say, oh, that's, you know, it's, that's a just, lie. <laughs> just made that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I still, I still like the idea of that being true. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like the Beatles, or at least when I was growing up, the Beatles was something that you were exposed to and you just had to, you know, mm. you, you loved. But the Stones, I felt like, were an option. It's so true. Yeah. I, yeah, I get you. I mean, I, was, I, d- I never really listened the Rolling Stones much just what was played but I didn't get into it into it but the Beatles yeah. I felt like you could really get into there was a diversity there that was kind of compelling yeah it's, yeah you know the Stones are just like blue and it's great but they just felt like blues you know yeah they did it's true yeah they're slightly more I don't know if you could call the Rolling Stones narrow but like they're just sort of yeah they're in their lane aren't they whereas you, if you're in, into the Beatles you've got like crazy psychedelic stuff and then like folk and then there's so many colors aren't there um yeah i mean the white album's great for that yeah it goes between like helter skelter and you know julia which is like a huge shift exactly it's pretty great that is it is it's true yeah and they just 
it's one of the, they're one of those bands you just I kind of have a different you know you have a different favorite Beatles album every couple of months you just move on and like yeah. it's it's they're, they're they're all so different that you you get a lot out of that definitely um, I was really into Beggar's Banquet by the Stones that was probably part of my childhood though I think that album because my dad was always um he played harmonica and like he played guitar. He didn't play guitar like incredibly well, <laughs> but right. he, he it was, his whole thing was like the blues stuff. So that mood, that early Stones, I loved the Stones, the side of the Stones that is kind of more acoustic guitar led, like yeah. songs like Wild Horses and, um, you know, I love all of that. I think there's like an energy in his voice and yeah, that stuff's really, really cool. Funny thing about, since I didn't listen to Stones a lot as a kid, when I was growing up, like in high school, the music that we were listening to, a lot of it was from England, which was inspired by the Stones, but it was like to, like the Stone Roses or, mm. you know, bands like that, that, you know, obviously was involved in that lineage, but I just, we you know, it was a totally different thing. So like that whole shoegazer, that yeah. era... Mm. which everyone kind of looked like Mick Jagger in a way, like it was the same hair, <laughs> like, or Verve, it's like true. Richard Ashcroft was like so... Verve, all the like, bowl cuts and that. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. It, just, it was like, you know, Rolling Stones 2.0 in a way. Not the music <laughs> so much, but the feel of it or something. Yeah, that's interesting. The feel of it, maybe. Maybe the energy of it, like... Yeah. Quite... Um, you're right, definitely the Verve has that kind of... It's in his voice, isn't it? I mean, I was never madly into the Verve, but... Uh, it's again like it's just got that kind of spirit in the way that he sings Stone Roses are cool though I think the Stone Roses um, you know Stone Roses and like Happy Mondays and that kind of yep. crossover when indie guitar music started getting played in in clubs and you know Ecstasy came around yep. it's like it's pretty cool Paul's Gold that was like the big crossover it's really cool That I love that that little chapter in, in music yeah but those guys those lead singers had the swagger of like a you know, a Mick Jagger. Like they yeah. thought they were God's gift to humanity. It's Even so Oasis true. too. Like, you know, they were just yeah, so headstrong. Like, yeah. It's just like rock and roll star. That that, that yeah. was when it was definitely, rock and roll was definitely cool then. <laughs> right. right. But the music wasn't that no. mass appeal, I don't think. No, it was more like the icon thing, isn't it? Like the, yeah. the way, the way, the front man approach, I guess. Definitely. It's cool that. Yeah, but I grew up, like, I mean, that was, like, I remember hunting for those records. They were hard to find in Pittsburgh, you know, growing up. Really? It was, like, the one record shop where you could get the Stone Roses CDs, you know. And they were, like, yeah. a lot of them were Japanese imports and stuff. So really? It was really? very exciting. And then the guitar player, I think it was the guitar player, made those fake Jackson Pollock, like, he made his versions of Jackson Pollock's for all the record covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were cool, though. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool, and it was kind of this merging of art and music in a way mm -hmm. that you know, felt really exciting at that time. Yeah. You know, because I was like, in my mind, I was dabbling in both. Like I played in bands and I made, and I was like, not like really making art, but drawing and doing like homemade paintings or whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff was exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sick. So do you, are you, uh, yeah, I can't help but notice all the paintings in, in the background on your wall. Oh, are yeah. They, are they yours? Did you well, make them? The one is here, The but the, Big ones, my sons, and then the other ones are other mm. people, friends of mine. Cool. I my, like so the my big studio's one. like a few blocks away, but 
when mm. during the pandemic I was here working on small stuff because I just wasn't going to the studio much mm -hmm. or at all really for months. So I was working here, but yeah. Okay, great. So is is are you mainly like an artist? Or you said you were in bands as well. Is there? Do you do both yeah. in equal measures? Well, growing up, it was both. And then when I went to grad school, I chose art. So I went to Connecticut instead of Chicago because all my friends went to Chicago to play music. And I thought if I go to grad school for art in Chicago, I'll never make any music. I'll never yeah. make any art. I'll just play music all the time. Why pay for it? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So I went to school in Connecticut and I ended up meeting guy people and forming a band and recording a couple records and doing that for years. But I still okay. made work, but um, I, it didn't work. Like the hiding away from music. and the, But then when I moved to New York, it just got, everyone kind of went their ways and you know, making work and being an artist is like a full time mm. and you run your schedule, which is nice, you know, bands, mm. it's difficult because you gotta, you gotta call everyone up. It's like, all right, you good to practice it's, at Tuesday at four. Tricky. And I, yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Like That's it's hard. tough. It does. Yeah. But yeah, music's still a big part of, you know, what I do. So now I collaborate with a lot of people and, you know, okay, sick. make music videos and do that stuff, which is fun. So it, it's, it's scratching that itch. But do you yeah. ever, I mean, I feel like every musician has an element of art in their life because you make cover art or, you know, the visuals are a part of what you do. So yeah. do you think that early days of like making art or, or being in that creative atmosphere is still linked to the way you think about your music in a visual mm. sense? Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting question because, um, yeah, it's... Art was definitely a really big part of my childhood and I used to love it. I used to love doing it. And um, interestingly, I think that doing art at school, like studying it at, at school sort of killed it. I think I remember getting to an age, sort of teenage age and you're doing, you've got to pass all these exams. And I remember suddenly realising that I didn't actually enjoy making art in that context. And I, I've sort of never gone back to making it as in like physically painting things or drawing things. Um, but you're right, you do think of, you know, music is so linked to art and there's the videos and the cover art and I'm always... I don't always have the initially the clearest vision... I definitely, I have a link between like, for me, it's like if I, because I guess I sort of first and foremost see myself as a guitar player or that that's the thing that I, I'm always playing guitar. And so I have, you know, I've, I don't own many guitars. I've got like three guitars, but each one of them, when I play them, they, I visualize a place like they, I've and I've bought them purely because they make me visualize a, a, a location like I can see a whole view and I, there's a whole sort of um uh, aesthetic that comes with the way that the guitar feels and whenever I get that feeling from an instrument I just have to have it <laughs> it doesn't happen very often yeah. but it's always it's always based on a visual relationship which is interesting I think so wait um, is it actually like say the a guitar that you have, like if it's a Fender Strat or something, it's mm. the visual is related to the place you got it, or is it just no. it creates a visual place in your mind? It, it creates, yeah, that it creates a visual place in my mind. I just imagine like I've got this, you know, I play, I've got this blue telly and it's like a Japanese one. It's got white piping around the edges and it just makes me feel like I'm driving a Cadillac in like 
somewhere in LA. It's quite. It's like got a Cuban thing, and I see palm trees, and there's a whole vibe that I get <laughs> yeah, in yeah. my in, in my head. Uh, you know, so so that's definitely there's a visual link there, and I, I every now and then I have. Yeah, the cover art is definitely a thing. I find I think I personally find it quite it takes me quite a long time to to t- to tune into the visual side of things sometimes. I think I have at points found that quite a stressful part of making music. Like I think I am a musician. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm an artist. I like collaborating with people on that side. I usually have some vision in my head, but not always, you know. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm the def- automatic video was very specific to, yeah. you know, I know the story about the piece and then how that got translated to the video. And I mean, that's a real specific aesthetic, you know, that seems that feels very collaborative. Like you worked mm. with this artist who created this, you know, yeah, it's that, very specific. I mean, some of the other videos yeah. of you playing seem to be more tied to maybe the narrative of the song or the emotive, yeah. quant, you know, quant, content of the song and then relating that to the visual images, which is like telling a story. But, yeah. you know, the automatic one seems like very specific kind of collaboration yeah. with the art, you know, which was, it's cool to see both of those things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that you, I, I'm quite flattered by that because like I said, I think the art side of things, I'm probably a little bit, I don't always have that clear vision, but certainly with that song, I um yeah it was it was one of them again. It was like I just wrote the song and I just could all I could see was that painting, and it's quite bizarre when that happens. I don't know where you know why or <laughs> I yeah. wasn't trying to 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 think of an artwork. It just kind of had to be that, which is interesting. Well, I think that's one of the freedoms of being a musician, and then you know, having these opportunities for like, you know, record the artwork or the videos is that you can jump all over the place, you know, mm-hmm. like you can work with different artists or you, the aesthetic can be completely different yet the music ties it together and people aren't like, wait, why is this video so different from the last one? Whereas when you're, mm-hmm. you know, a visual artist, sometimes if you make that leap, people are just like, wait a minute, I thought you were the guy that painted squares. Yeah, now you're yeah. painting faces. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's a freedom yeah. there, I think. Yeah, of the yeah, collaborative yeah. process, which is kind of, you know, it's it's freeing, but I'm sure, like to you to your point, it's sometimes probably stressful because maybe you're not the visual content isn't the starring lead there, but yeah, when people see a video, that's that's how they enter the music sometimes. Exactly, exactly. It's a, it's a big door, but a lot of yeah. you can tell a lot of musicians don't think at all about their videos or whatever. They're like, "What? Okay, you want to do that? Okay, mm-hmm. sure, whatever." And then yeah. that's weird because it's such a big part of how people digest the content of the it music. It is weird when if to not consider that the visuals and the videos are often the point of entry for people. And equally, the way the way that people consume music is like you know a lot of the time now it's just YouTube. So there's always a visual there. So I think that's why sometimes I get a little bit like oh shit like <laughs> i need to really i need to be an artist actually yeah it's, it can be sometimes if you haven't got the a natural vision and I, I do think that um often think that collaboration is really key and that it's it's uh it should be sort of 
encouraged a bit more you know I think we all there's a lot of people that well we we tend to feel like we have to do everything ourselves uh and I I like to actually work with people you know I I don't self-produce music I I don't always do every now and then I'll have a, a visual idea which I'll really commit to but yeah collaboration is often really the thing that's that makes art and music beautiful I agree yeah it brings like a certain a different angle and you know making visual art it's it's pretty rare usually it's just you in the cave making your things and showing people like look what I did and then you know having the ability to collaborate is is really great so I think for me Mm -hmm. I do a lot of animation and then I work with musicians so that's a way for me to keep that process together but I will say that the videos that you've that you have of you playing it's just you playing and singing I think is really powerful because then it's the visual is just the experience so it's a way to distill the music down to that you know the bare bones of it just to the bare bones of it yeah I'm glad you I'm glad you you say that because that yeah that is another element it's like I think um or certainly for me like much my process of making music is so sort of it's just so hilariously simple in a way and it's never it's never changed really I just play guitar I write the the song on I kind of usually write the chords first or but it's not really a rule to that but it just it's always it always starts with just me and a, a guitar and then yeah. it changes into everything else and I have visions for the production and and then it grows but I really do like presenting just the initial thing sometimes or you know when I play live I I, I usually just play on my own on stage listen that's avant-garde at this point (laughs) (laughs) there's so many I joke with my son because he does music you know he plays some music and I try to tell him I'm like it's insane like you have the ability to just endless tracks like i remember being in a high school band and we had like an eight track you know like a Mm -hmm. like we only had eight tracks to record that was it so it was you know now you can add and layer and it's really you know it's about self-control i think or restraint because you could just keep adding and adding and adding forever yeah yeah this is this is actually often kind of risky isn't it like it's sometimes it's better to just limit yourself in a way or not limit yourself but just use a smaller toolbox or whatever and then yeah. um and then you you actually that really does encourage creativity because then you use so you use that one thing and you do it in so many different ways right um, yeah but the rawness is so much more powerful in light of the fact that you can dust off or auto-tune your life you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. like, if you if you're exposing that raw nerve, I think it has a different kind of power than you know it might have like thirty years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think you're right. Yeah, it's interesting. When you go see the Ramones play live back then, mm-hmm. you're probably not like, "Whoa, it's so raw." It's just like, "Yeah, this is what everything every punk band sounds." Or, no, yeah, they're amazing. But I mean, you know, the rawness of it is what was happening. You know? Yeah, that was the norm in a way. Right. I mean, I remember yeah. going to see shows where it was a guy in a laptop and it was like the first time you've ever seen that. And that was like avant-garde, you know, it was like, wait, he's just there with a laptop. That's all he's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> like it felt it's like, am crazy. I, what am I, is this real? Or am I seeing live music now? You know, and yeah, now it's yeah. gotten to a point to where, you know, it's, if you see a four piece band play, it's almost bizarre. You're like, wait, that's it. 
You guys it's aren't so gonna... true. It's yeah. so true, isn't it? Four piece band. That's it. There's no backing track or there's no. Yeah, and I think that also that's the thing that comes across. You you almost get points for being sort of like on it. You know, there's all. I guess we live in social media age, so there's like you kind of get points for being like honest as well, which just makes me laugh because <laughs> as, as, as if that was never a value that, that anybody should have, you know, now it's like, Oh my God, they're so, they're so real. And they're so honest about, it makes me smile that, you know, it's amazing. The metric, how quickly it shifted to that, you know, yeah. like the internet is such a deluge that like, if mm. someone is honest or tells us true truth or is straightforward, you're like, wow, that's really naked. And, and you know, amazing <laughs> that you could, that that you could just say the truth yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i shouldn't laugh at it but it is crazy how 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 times change i guess right Um, yeah information is completely shifted i mean it is funny you have you have to chuckle at it or else it's soul crushing true it's true (laughs) yeah i think that's literally the the best way of approaching these things yeah take it in stride i mean hey you know we don't know what this internet's going to do to us all but what are we we can't go back at this point no, you got to try not to take it madly seriously, haven't you? But um, it's crazy stuff, really. Well, so for someone who does perform, you know, sometimes by by yourself, and it's pretty straightforward in that sense. I mean, you know, what was during the pandemic? Did that completely shift your whole writing approach? Your performing? Oh, obviously, you weren't performing mm. the way you would have been, right? Yeah, no, I wasn't really performing. It was all live streams and stuff, obviously, which I actually really enjoyed. I was so skeptical of it at first. I didn't think I would in, would enjoy it, and um, you know, there's there's a lot about it that I don't enjoy. But I did. I started doing kind of weekly weekly shows from my living room, and um, I actually really enjoyed that because people are. Obviously, the internet makes people feel kind of empowered to speak in a way that they they wouldn't do in real life. Yeah. So, so you end up with quite a collaborative show. You know, everyone everyone's piping up and writing messages, which that would never happen in a room full of people. You wouldn't you wouldn't get people just calling out in the middle of a song right. like, "I love your shoes." Like people don't people don't do that normally in real life. So I quite enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of my writing, I was actually pretty creative. You know, I think I'd, I think quite a lot of musicians were. It's kind of not the hardest thing in the world if you're someone who really does just want to sit at home and play music right all day. Then really, the lockdown is was it wasn't the worst thing in the world for me personally. It was hard at points, but. Um, I I was pretty productive, thankfully. It didn't, you know, and it it did change my writing process in the sense that I actually finally got into recording using Logic more and like recording, playing other instruments and chucking it all down. And I got pretty into home recording actually, which is something I've been meaning to do for years and almost built up a bit of a phobia around it because. I work with so many incredible producers, so I'm always, you know, I'm, um, it's a blessing to be able to collaborate with them. So, yeah, in lockdown, I, I actually did get kind of finally got the hang of recording stuff, which was yeah, I good. Think that, that's like lockdown guilt for creative people. It's like, well, we kind of <laughs> do this anyway, just sit yeah. in the room and do our thing, you know, yeah. and then the commute's better. Like, you don't have to go anywhere. So, yeah, you feel bad true. because you can actually 
you know, and if it's not, if the psychological trauma of something like that doesn't completely paralyze you or crush you, you can actually yeah. be very productive because you can work out your feelings and think about things and, yeah, you know, just say, well, everything else is crap. Like, I might as well just sit in here and do my thing and work and try to make something nice out of this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I do know what you mean. That that was, I think I was pretty lucky with that. I wasn't exactly writing loads and loads of songs, but I was just playing, you know, it was one of those times, wasn't it, where you just sort of feel like you have to try and do something. So I was doing lots of arrangements of songs and covers and learning loads of music. I studied classical guitar. I got kind of better as a musician. Um, and I guess I learned a lot about production. And so it felt like skill building time for me, yeah. I guess. I didn't do How that. How about you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't like I was go a- back to glazing <laughs> and like working with like varnishes and <laughs> color studies. But I did make a lot of stuff. Did you? Yeah. Did you feel like inspired to make stuff? Yeah, I think a, a, a lot of my work is kind of, you know, toes the line of a sort of, dangerous and a kind of like ominous part of our landscape in our world in a way like a post-human thing so it kind of staring out the window every day here in brooklyn and seeing like empty streets it was kind of you know yeah i don't know conducive to that kind of like anxiety that i have about the future of our natural world (laughs) you know it's christ so yeah in a sense i mean it's not like i was (laughs) inspired by everyone you know going to the hospital or being shut in but it was definitely you know waters to navigate so to speak so that's a bit crazy if you're i didn't so your art is actually sort of based around post-apocalyptic things yeah <laughs> i mean well quite crazy. at times yeah i mean yeah. you know like I, I lived in you know south brooklyn when 9-11 happened and i had a giant painting wow. up of two buildings being demolished at the time that the world trade center collapsed so it was like kind of wow. like I've done paintings like that, like a McDonald's on fire. And then two weeks later in Indonesia, there was a McDonald's that was set on fire. So, you know, weird kind that of like so creepy. stuff that can happen, you know. And, but yeah. it's, if you paint the landscape around you enough, there's going to be a, a resonance with like things that happen, you know. Yeah. It's not all like that, but there's, there's that, moments, you know. It, is your art largely based around painting the landscape? Is that what you mean, like? observing yeah, your surroundings I mean, do you feel like that's where you paint from yeah there's a lot of like our world our natural world and then there's you know yeah. i do portraits too but like i'll give mm-hmm. you an example i had a show in london at haunch of venison this was back in the mid 2000s and it was called conspiracy so every image in the show was just about a conspiracy theory or something a location mm-hmm. tied to that so it's whether it's like watergate or crop circles or whatever you know mm. so they they don't look menacing necessarily, but the content and like the location and there's there's a theme of of that within it that I think bubbles under the surface. That wow. you know any event, whether good or bad, has that kind of like there's always a looming. If you paint something still, you know that it's you mm. get this feeling that something either just happened or is about to happen or it is happening. So there's mm. kind of a tension in that still image if you do it the right way. I think. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, when you're when you're writing music, is it is it more of an abstract sort of emotive connection to experience, or is it sometimes housed in the day to day, or are you reacting to 
you know, the environment or what you're thinking about the current state of the world? Um, I think it's probably more like, uh, like you said, a sort of connection to an emotional connection to my experience. I think it's, it tends to be, that tends to be the thing that triggers me into writing. I also think, well, all that tends to be the perspective from which I write from, I guess. But I think that, um, well, I think that I often think that I'm actually, that the thing that triggers me into creating tends to be change, or like some sort of change going on around me or, or not necessarily happening around me, but change in some form, you know, so like, either a desire for change or a resistance towards it or or noticing change happening but I think interestingly that tends to be the thing that that subconsciously makes me pick up a guitar and start writing something yeah um but no sometimes I also do you know yeah there is no set thing is there with these with these things but um often I'll write f- from I'll create a character I do a lot of sort of um I do quite a lot of sort of almost like theater exercises where you you know pa- painting a character and observing them and imagining them and you know characteristics that they have and flaws that they have and where they live and I, I do a lot of visualization of of a person or or an object sometimes I've got a song called foot of the hill which I wrote from the perspective of a house that was about to be demolished and so I, sometimes I kind of have these situations that I think, oh, I wonder what, what that thing would say about their experience, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a lot for for you describing yourself as maybe not thinking about the visual in relation to the it's video true. or the cover art as much, or, you know, it's not mm. like this primary thing. It feels like the narrative is sort of in this imagined visual space. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Which is not far from painting. It's just you're just not throwing colors on a canvas. You're throwing words. It's it's almost like writing in that sense. You yeah, know? you know what? That's very interesting. I've never thought about that before. It is like a visual. There's definitely a visual way of thinking that I come that I come from when I'm when I'm writing words. Um, I think what's interesting when you're putting that, and then when you then take that to cover art and stuff just to go back on that because that's interesting the thing that I sometimes then struggle with is like I have such a strong visual sometimes I have such a clear visual perspective that I've written a that I've created the narrative from so when it comes to making videos I'm either drawn towards just copying that or not copying but honoring that narrative visually so I'll either I'll just you know sometimes I think let's make a video and let's just paint you know that each one of those lyrics we need to make we just need to act that out and uh, and I think I I think I can do that I think the art that I the artists that I find myself being inspired by that well I think it's really cool when you can add a completely other abstract layer of visual meaning on yeah. top of your narrative so that it's a whole separate thing that's that's fucking cool I think I yeah it's like spinning hard, someone hard like they're they think they have the visual the the concept mm. of the experience and then you just flip it yeah that's amazing when, when people do that it's um 
it's that's a hard thing to do. You know, like, I think that's why a lot of people do collaborate because maybe sometimes that can bring in that other element, you know, yeah. that you just can't. Because in a way, it was funny when you were describing the writing. It's almost like you're writing a script. Like yeah. if someone were going to create the visuals from that, but then yours yeah. is so visual. I wonder how that works for people who are like screenwriters because yeah, inherently yeah. it's going to be way different than how they think about it, but they're really visualizing it. I guess you just yeah. get used to that transition between mm. what you're imagining and, and other people you're working with bringing it to life. Yeah. I, I feel lucky because whenever I collaborate, like a friend of mine that I collaborate with motion graphics stuff, he's so talented that, you know, everything I kind of visualize, he's just going to visualize it differently and way better. <laughs> okay, that's sick. That's pretty, so, that's a perfect so just, relationship. Just collaborate with amazing people and then your <laughs> yeah. problems are solved. Yeah. This is true. It is true. I think you're right. That is when collaboration comes in because uh, you've painted a picture in your way and it's quite hard to then change that. Or, or Yeah. Yeah. And mm. working with good people is always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I was uh, I was doing a music video for one of my songs yesterday and uh, the director... It was interesting because, yeah, it, it we did really just... We on, it kind of honoured the the narrative i mean this the song is so specifically based around a character um so we just we just did that character like we just got an actor um it's actually my dad who played the part of of this oh, character nice. he's he's an actor and so he he hasn't acted for a long time but he he played the part of this guy sort of character called Mr Shady who i wrote about um i created this guy i sat opposite someone on a train once and um, it was a really crowded train and we I went to sit in the only seat available which was opposite this man and I sort of chanced a, a smile at him um, and I immediately regretted having, to, having to <laughs> done done that and uh, he just kind of frowned he sort of looked, stared back at me and frowned really long, intense, angry frown uh, and just leant in towards me and eventually just put his newspaper up as a barrier in between us and um I then wrote this song on the train based on what I imagined him to to sort of be like and uh so my dad acted the part of that character in a video yesterday um which is interesting because it's very much based on my narrative but the director a guy called Balan he um had the idea of of shooting it all from the perspective of Mr Shady's phone so the actual, there's a whole other narrative going on in the viewpoint that we're given when yeah. we're watching the video. It's from a very specific place. Um, so you catch all of his in, inward emotions as well as him being a horrible bastard. Um, <laughs> this is, it's interesting. It yeah, the channel was inner grump whenever he acted the part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he... He said That's that a really interesting concept, though, because there could have been someone sitting two doors down mm -hmm. from you who saw the whole thing, yeah, and had their yeah, own yeah. interpretation of it. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it's all perspective, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So when's that yes. coming out? I think that's going to be coming out at the beginning of October. Nice. Um, and the tune should be. Yeah, they'll both be coming out around then, or, or yeah, hopefully the end of this month. But um. So that's that's like the first song that will be. For, I've got an album which I've been working on for the past well, 
past couple of months I've just been in the studio doing this album and this song will be the first one off of that. An album? I'm sorry, what's an album? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they still have those? It's a collection of singles. Oh, yeah, <laughs> a record. <laughs> it's so funny yeah. now, isn't it? It's just, yeah. you feel like a lot of times you'll hear like there will be a new release on streaming yeah. platform and you're like, oh cool, a new record. And then you realize, oh wait, that's just the last five singles that they released over the last <laughs> three months or whatever. It's really funny. It's that, so it? different, the experience of a record. I know, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. But um, just because I just, that's not how I listen to music. But, you know, I just, I, there's nothing more exciting than a whole album that's, you know. It is funny, isn't it? That's kind of how people do it now. It's like you, you put songs out and I guess you build a, you can build um, a following just from those songs. And then you've you've sort of tricked people into listening to your album in a way. <laughs> well, it matches our attention span as a society. You it know? does like, match, exactly, exactly. I remember listening to like Fragile, you know, like a Yes record. It's like a, it's like a concept record. You know what I mean? The whole thing is like this, it's like a movie or something. And mm. now it's like, you know, it's flipped. It Now it, it's just songs that end up becoming a record and they're just, you know, sort of released as little things. And then TV shows, which you used to have to wait for and get once a week, now they just dump them on you and you watch the whole thing. It's like watching a watch... five-hour-long movie, you know? So true. They've yeah, they've swapped roles. Yeah. <laughs> and most people aren't complaining because they want the songs mm. now and they want mm. the, uh, the TV series all at once. When my son has to wait a week, I don't hear the end of it. At the end of the no. episode, he's like, ah, oh, <laughs> I gotta wait a week for this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. You gotta wait a week. It's not that bad. People just want it immediately, don't they? They do. But I guess with the album stuff, people still put singles out, and then there, there is like anticipation that comes from that. But then it's just, yeah, when the album eventually drops, a lot of people then it's like they they've heard it all. I guess. I, yeah, I think that that's. I don't think there's any shame in that. I guess it depends what your. I think it probably depends on your own creative style and how, you know, what your relationship with your audience is. But for me, I just I just have always wanted to do it this way. Uh, there'll be singles, you know, I think we'll have we'll have three singles and yeah. we'll put those out a couple months at a time and then we'll put a full thing out there. But it's all going to be new songs. It's nothing that um, nothing old, really. And you you hoping to maybe one day be able to tour it? Go all over, absolutely, man. I that's yeah, I remember those days, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never really done that properly. I've, I've done some tours in the UK and and a few little shows across Europe, but um, yeah, man, I really, really would love to just tour it. it just I think purely because you know, you just there is nothing like feeling the energy of a room when you've played a song, you, you just you can get people can interact online and you can get a good feeling from that but you know I played my first show back after a couple of years um you know in July I think it was uh and it's just like it's just crazy the power that like silence you know actually crazy the power that that a room of people being silent can have wow we yeah. don't get we don't get silence anymore in the you know yeah. <laughs> we don't really believe in silence as a as a society so yeah, it's not. to actually feel that in a room of people it's just really powerful I think definitely yeah it's a mm. rare sort of occurrence you know yeah it's uh, we're all used to just sort of 
talking at the same time. I, I mean, I guess that's that's an online thing, isn't it? But um, yeah, there's just like a really kind of humbleness to a whole room of people who have turned up to, to do one thing together. And it's, yeah, it's cool. Well, you can do it on your Instagram live. Just mute the chat. <laughs> just <laughs> breathe true. in that silence for... That's, that's true i mean that's very silent yeah, it's like no reaction at all in between yeah songs. that's a non-magical <laughs> silence <laughs> yeah staring like into the song. void of the, the the camera on the laptop wow yeah technical radio silence that is isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah. okay so for people who aren't familiar with your music like what's the best way where do they get your stuff well, I would say if you're into your Spotify or your Apple Music, then I guess that's that's the place. And I guess I have I've been putting music out for a while. I've had sort of it feels like I've had two starts at a music journey, and like I started when I was pretty young. And so the, my first EP, which I put out a long time ago, 2016, I was about 17 at the time. And I've I've changed a lot since then, but I still think that that's quite a, it's a good place to to start from. I, I still kind of believe in those songs. I think that um, you know, I, I kind of that my early stuff is is definitely and my default position is like guitar music, so that's where I started from. And then as as I've grown, there's uh, been a lot more soul and a lot more jazz that's come into my head yeah. and. So now it's more in on a, a bit more along those lines, but interestingly, the album I'm about that I'm going to put out, I think, is a sort of like a return to my roots. Really, I f- I feel that way about it. So I would just stop. I haven't got that much music out. I would just encourage people to bang it all out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go, I came to it fairly one. recently, and none of it, because you know, listening to stuff on streaming, it's all mm-hmm. again with the non-record thing. You could just you hit the shuffle. None of yeah. it felt particularly older or like much different. Yeah, you know, okay. it it all is sort of That's cohesive. There's differences, but yeah, but yeah. man, that automatic cannot get that out of my head. It is like <laughs> a plague in there. I mean, I love it, but I can't. And then I listen to it to try to <laughs> exercise annoying. the demon of that song, the catchiness of it, and then it just compounds itself, and I can't stop <laughs> listening to it. So. Nice one. <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm glad to hear it's irritating you still. <laughs> it's no, it's good. a great, great song. And no, highly you, addictive. Man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Sure. you got to come to Brooklyn. Yeah. Do I a show am, over definitely, here. Definitely, man. I'd love to. I will. I'd love to. I spent a lot of time in LA um, like the year before the lockdown. And that was, that was cool. And a lot of people I was working with there were from Brooklyn originally. So, yeah, I'd love to do that. What's it like there? What's it like living there? Well, I've been here 22 years now. So um, it just cool. feels like, you know, I love it. I mean, you know, the, you love to hate parts of it, but mm-hmm. but it's great, you know. It's it's never boring, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of creative people here and you can eat around the world, the cuisine and, you know, there's art yeah. and it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. It sounds like a bigger London. I he- I have kind of heard from people that it's that it's so kind of there's so many buildings that you can't sometimes see the sky. <laughs> <Which is interesting. laughs> it might have been 
it might have been <laughs> slight exaggeration. Stretching it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I go to I usually well pre COVID, I usually go to Japan every year. And when you go to mm. Tokyo, that's that description. Okay. Like when you see wow. a tree in Tokyo, you're like, Oh wow, there's a tree here. <laughs> here there's a lot of green and there's you know there's yeah. buildings, but it's a balance. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of trash too. <laughs> Great. Yeah. It's you a nice patina of, you know, authenticity to the streets. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Cool, no, man. Well, cool. it was great talking to you. And um, yeah, you everyone too. should check out your music for sure. Yeah, man. Thanks, Brian. It's been really cool chatting to you as well. Sure thing. Yeah, thanks for All having right. me. Sure. Can't deny it, it's yours to follow.